0: How many are glad to be here today? Yeah, that's what I like. Um, I'm excited to, um, this is kind of one of those days that's kind of, uh, I'm very excited, but also um, uh, kind of relieved, no, not relieved, but relieved's not the right word, Uh you know, I was telling the volunteers before, most of the time I don't necessarily like doing uh, six weeks of, of a series. I like to keep it more than that four weeks. Sometimes six weeks can be a lot. So, um, But I am excited about what we're going to talk about today. And it's not because it's the last one. So I just wanted to preface with that. It's not because it's the last one, because this has been an amazing series. Um, we've been in a series called Awakening. If you're visiting with us today, this is the... The last kind of the last component of that uh, series. And uh, you can go on our website. I think Bradley has been updating it and keeping our, our current sermons online. We had, to, we had to kind of redo our website and our webpage. And so right now it'll be just the current stuff. We'll gradually go back and get some of the other stuff uh, put on there. But you are able to get that. And so I did turn the heat down for those of you that are burning up, because it is a little bit warm in here. So I did turn the heat down. If we need to kick the air on, somebody can, Garen, you can kick the air on, because it's a little bit toasty in here. Um, so, yeah, if you want to go ahead and do that, just go ahead and kick the air on. Then if it gets cold, uh, you can put your coat on. So um, <laughs> right now, believe me, it's toasty in here. Uh, if I'd have realized that, I'd have wore a short sleeve shirt today. That's all I can say. But anyway, the series has been amazing. And um, you can go online, get kind of caught up because I think that's a great way for you to kind of get really plugged in and to see where we've been and what we've talked about and kind of how all this really ties together. We've been talking about five awakenings that can help us literally just to find our way back to God. And one of the things that I want you to get about these awakenings is this. They will not only help you to come home to the Father Maybe for the very first time. But if you'll begin to put these into regular practice in your life, they will help you to have a close connection and deepen that relationship that you have with God. So let me just give you a quick recap of where we've been and what we've t- uh, kind of gone through. The first awakening that we talked about was the awakening to longing. This is the idea that inside all of us is this longing For something more, more purpose, more meaning, more love. And what we discovered was this. The longings that we have are given to us by God and are intended to lead us into an intimate relationship with the Father. But the problem is this. When they are misused, they will always lead us further away from home. Further away from our God. The second awakening was this. It was the awakening to regret. Regret is when we realize, you know, this is really not what I wanted to have happen in my life. I just wish I hadn't done these things. See, the awakening to regret helps us to discover that through the Father's love, we have that second chance. We really can start over with our God when we come home. The third awakening is the awakening to grace. This is where we realize that when we return home, our Father is willing to give us what we don't deserve and to spare us from what we do deserve. Then last week, we talked about the awakening to love. This is the moment where we realize just how deeply our Father loves us. And the fact that in Him, when we really embrace the love of God, we will begin to rediscover our true identity as sons and daughters of the Father. That brings us to today. Today we are going to talk about this final awakening. It's the awakening to life. Now, if, you've been, if you're visiting with us today, we've been going through the story of the prodigal son. And as we've unpacked this, we began, we've been able to see these awakenings take place and happen in the son's life, but hopefully, most importantly, in our life. Now, I told the volunteer team this, and that is, um, please pray, because uh, this is one of those messages where I got done on Friday, Friday morning, and by Friday afternoon, I felt God was saying, this isn't, this isn't done yet. In fact, you need to redo most of this. And so I spent most of Friday, almost all day yesterday, just redoing this because I felt this was the direction God wanted me to go. So just kind of hang on to your seats. we got a lot to get through. But I really believe that if we open our minds and hearts to what God has for us, we may, we may today have an awakening to life. Pray with me as we begin. Father, I just thank you for this day and I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for what you are doing through this series, but most importantly, I thank you for what you are doing through me and through my life. I thank you for the things you've taught me, the things I've been able to see and to learn and to rediscover. And so, Father, I pray that Today, this morning, that you will use these words. That what I say is not from me, but they are from you. They're your words. That I'm just your vessel. um, To just proclaim the message that you have. So, Father, I pray for openness and for hearts to be open and minds to be receptive. I pray that we might, in these next few moments... Have an awakening to life. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let me ask you. Have you ever ever had a time in your life when you just really felt alive? When you just really felt alive? When, when, When you thought, man, it just can't get any better than this. I've had a couple of those. My first one was when I was a kid, when I was in high school. When I was in high school, I was 15 years old, and uh, I rode my bike, because I couldn't drive yet, rode my bike over to my youth pastor's house, and we sat around his breakfast table, and he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. And when I got up from that table, from accepting Jesus into my heart, we went straight down to the church, and he baptized me in the Christ. Christ. And when I came up out of that water as a 15 year old kid, let me tell you, I felt more alive than I had in my life. It was on those moments when you're just infused with Jesus and when you're infused with life. Now, there's another time in my life when I felt really alive. It was on August the 18th, 1979. And it was when I married Lucy. Now, a lot of you may not know this, but we dated three weeks. Yeah, this was when we were leaving Uh, after the reception. We were heading out. Um, We haven't changed any, have we? Um, At least she hasn't. But uh, let me tell you, that day, I felt more alive at that moment than I had in a long time. Those moments make you feel that way, don't they? Now, even though your experiences may have been different than mine, maybe you can relate to that feeling of just being alive. I mean, maybe it was when you made the team or you won that award or maybe it was your wedding day, your honeymoon, or the birth of a child. Or maybe it was when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. You see, the point is, scattered throughout life are those moments Some may be defining moments, like we talked about last week, when we felt more alive than maybe we do right now. You see, the problem is we tend to live life by just kind of going through the motions, don't we? I mean, we kind of just sleepwalk our way through the day-to-day routines of life. So we take out the trash, we feed the dog, we get the kids ready for school, we go to work, we watch some TV, we put the kids to bed. And here's the thing, when your days are lived like that, feeling really alive will be replaced with passing out, right? And you'll get down the road and you'll look back and you'll wonder, is this all there is to being alive? This is all there is to being alive. I think the prodigal in our story got to that place after he left the father's home. You see, here's the thing. Just because you're alive and you're taking up space and sucking air on this planet doesn't mean you are living life to the fullest. There's a line in the movie Braveheart that says, Every man dies, but not every man really lives. So let me ask you, do you know how to really live? Do you? Do you know how to live? There's a great passage in John chapter 10 that kind of helps us to get a handle on what it means to really live, to really have life. Look at what Jesus says in this passage. Starting in verse 10, this is what he says. A thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came to give life, life in all its fullness. A thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came to give life, life in all its fullness, in his life. Let me tell you, Jesus went to great lengths to explain and to describe and to show us what it truly means to live life the way it was really meant to be lived. I think that's why in this verse he gives us a warning. But he also gives us a promise. The warning is this. A thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's a warning, right? He's warning us that the enemy is a thief. He will come to steal, kill, and destroy. Story is told. True story. A couple had went out for the evening. They left about 7 o'clock. They'd only been gone from the house about 10, 15 minutes when he, the, the husband realized he had forgot something that he needed. And so they kind of turned back around and went back home. He got out of the car, went up on the porch, grabbed his keys. He went to put the key in the door, and he noticed that the door was partially open. And so he slowly went in, and when he went in, he saw a guy run from the family room into the kitchen and out the back door. He ran out the front door, down the porch, got his phone out, and dialed 911. Now, the thief only materially got away with a couple laptops and a few pieces of jewelry. But the reality was, he took a lot more than that. Because what seemed secure was now uncertain and unsettled. And let me tell you, this is what happens to us when we bank our security and our stability and our life on what the world offers instead on what God offers us, which is real life. Jesus says, our enemy is a thief who comes to rob you of your life. That life that's found in Jesus. So that's why Jesus follows that warning up with this promise. But I I came to give life. Life in all of its fullness. Now your translation may say abundant life or rich and satisfying life. Either way it The meaning is the same. Jesus wants to help us to find and live life more abundantly. To live to its fullest, regardless of the circumstances that we may find ourselves in. Now, that's what this story of the prodigal son is about. It's about the son who thought he could find life apart from the father. But he didn't fully discover life until he returned home to the Father. And it's the same for us as well. It's what all these awakenings lead to. They help us find our way back to God. They help us rediscover the life that we were meant to really live. The life that's only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So let me ask you. What kind of life are you trying to live? What kind of life are you trying to live? Now, here's what's interesting. In the New Testament, there are five different Greek words for life, or a few different Greek words for life. But let me share two of them with you. The first word is the word bios. You probably recognize the word biology. It's the word life and refers to physical or natural life or the material realm of life as you live it day in and day out. And in the bios life, the average person sleeps 250,000 hours, has about 75,000 meals, and goes to the bathroom 200,000 times. Now, that last one can vary depending on what type of meals you have, but you get the picture. And that's all a part of the bios life. Hey, Ben, can you do me a favor? Can you grab me some about one of those bottles of water? That'd be awesome. I appreciate it. But there's another word for life in the Bible, and that's the word Zoe. Want you say that with me? Zoe. Are you ready? Zoe. This word also means life, but it's a different kind of life. It includes all of the bios life, but it's so much more than that. You see if bios is about Quantity of life, just having more of the same. Zoe is about the quality of life. The quality of life that comes from knowing and having more of God and more of Jesus. It's the life of Jesus that starts flowing through you when you spiritually die to yourself so that you can start living for him. This is the life that we were really meant to live. This is the life Jesus says he came to give us. That abundant life, that rich life, that satisfying life that's only found in him. That's why this life, the Zoe life, only comes from a relationship with God through Jesus. Now, in the story of the prodigal son, we see this contrast between the bios life and the Zoe life played out. When the younger son said to the father in verse 12. He said, give me my, my share of the estate. It says that the father divided his property between them. Between his sons. Now the word for property there is actually the word bios. It means that the father divided his life. He divided his life. His bios life between his two sons. It's as if the Father is saying, I'll let you have all that the bios life can offer now, but someday, someday you're going to realize that more stuff isn't what you're really looking for because it'll never fully satisfy what's inside of you. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus is hoping that through this parable, we catch the fact That the Bios life fails in comparison to the Zoe life. In fact, when the son came home, I think he finally began to realize and to experience the difference between these two lives when he came back to the father. And when he began to to allow the love of the father to flow through him, and it caused him to have an awakening to this life, to this Zoe life. The life that's only found in a relationship with the Father through Jesus. Now, it would be great if our story ended there, wouldn't it? I mean, it would be great if, if it ended there. After all, we have a son who, who was horrible to his dad, demanded his inheritance, goes off, squanders everything, loses it all, ends up just having to to live feeding pigs. He finally comes to his senses. He repents. He comes home. His father runs to meet him and greet him and welcomes him home. He, He loves him dearly and he throws a party for him. I mean, that would be a great ending to a story, wouldn't it? But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. Because now the older brother enters the picture. And the thought of his dad throwing a party for that brat of a brother, let me tell you, man, it is boiling his potatoes. In other words, he's getting madder and madder and madder as he thinks about that party that is going on inside that house. Look what Jesus goes on to say. Starting in Verse 25 of Luke chapter 15. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Luke chapter 15. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Starting in verse 25, this is what we read. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother's back, he was told. And your father has killed a fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years, I've slaved for you. And never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. Let's stop there for a moment. Again, the older brother is furious. I mean, he cannot believe... That his no good brother is getting the royal treatment. Because in his mind. That's ridiculous. In his mind it's unfair. So he just refuses to go in. And this may be the biggest public celebration. That his father has ever hosted. I mean this was a banquet. In his brother's honor. But instead of going in. He stands outside the door pouting. Arms crossed, scowl on his face, and he's not going to budge. You see, now it's his turn to disgrace his father. You see, his refusal his refusal to come into his father's banquet is just as disgraceful as the younger son's rebellion was. But here's what's amazing. The father seeks him out. The father seeks him out. Maybe, maybe he saw him... Through a doorway, or maybe he saw him through the window and he saw him standing outside. Maybe one of the servants came and said, Hey, you're the older son, he's outside, he's not coming in. I'm not sure why. But the father seeks him out. He seeks him out, he goes outside to get him, just as he went out of his way to greet the younger son when he returned home. He went out of his way to talk to his older son. You see, that's not what the host of a big feast is supposed to do. Normally they would send a relative or they would send a servant to go drag the older son back in by the ear. But when the father hears that the older son isn't moving, he pleads with him. And he begs him to come to the party. To come and celebrate. Now let's pause here for just a moment. Let me ask you. Why is the older son so upset? And why is he so upset? Well, what he says to his dad is this. He says, you never even gave me a goat for a party and when my, with my friends, and yet you slaughtered a calf for him. That's not fair. Now, let me be honest with you. When I was growing up, I wouldn't thought it would have been fair if my dad had slaughtered a goat for me. I don't think I would have liked that at all. But he thought it was a good thing. He's going, you you wouldn't even give me a goat, and yet you slaughter the fatted calf for this son of yours, and it's not fair. Now, to be really honest, that's probably just a symptom of a deeper unspoken resentment that's been building up in his heart. Because maybe the real issue is really centers around the family wealth and the older son's inheritance. You see, he sees his share of the pie shrinking. Because by restoring the younger brother back into the family, the father makes him an heir again with a new claim on their already reduced family wealth. And it's reduced because the younger son blew it, right? He took his inheritance and he blew it. And so in his mind, he's getting the short end of the deal. And the reality is we would probably feel the exact same way, wouldn't we? But I think there's even a deeper issue besides the inheritance. I think at the root of his stubbornness and the root of his pride is this terrible misunderstanding of how his father's love is given. In other words, how he receives the love of his father. You see, the older son feels that he has earned his father's love, that he has earned his father's affection, while the younger son has not. In a sense, he's saying, Look, Dad, I did everything that you said. I did everything, and I did it right. Whenever you ask, I did it. And I worked like a slave for you. I never disobeyed, and I never dishonored, and this is the thanks I get. But now, when this younger son of yours who wasted everything, now when he comes home, you just shower him with love. When he's done nothing to earn your love. What's the justice in that? It's not fair. And then Jesus speaks the father's last words that end this parable. So starting in verse 31, look what it says. His father said to him, "Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost. But now he's found. Your brother was dead. Your brother didn't understand what life was really about. But now he's been awakened. But now he understands. Now he's able to live a real life and it's worth celebrating. Won't you come in? And so he pleads with the son. Basically saying more than anything, I want you at this feast, but I will not disown your brother just to get you in here. Swallow your pride and join us. But the choice is yours. And the story abruptly ends. Jesus doesn't finish the story. He just leaves that to his listeners to figure out. Now, who's his listeners? You see, we we need to go back to the beginning, right? Because in this passage in Luke 15... Jesus gives three stories, three parables. The parable of the prodigal son is the third one. We have the story of the lost sheep. Where the sheep wandered off and, and the shepherd leaves the 99 to go find that one lost sheep. And when that one lost sheep is found, guess what? There's rejoicing and celebration that takes place. There's a lady who, who, a will, who she loses her coin and literally turns the house upside down until she finds that coin. And then there's Celebration. Because that which is lost has been found. And now in this parable, he says that the father, when the son returned, there was celebration that takes place. Why? Because that which is dead is alive and that which was lost is found. But who's his audience? Who's his audience? We'll look back into the first two verses of chapter 15. Because it tells us who Jesus was addressing. And it helps explain what Jesus is talking about. Starts out like this. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. I love that word, notorious sinners. They just weren't regular sinners. They were notorious, okay? Notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, eating with them. So there were basically two groups of people there. The tax collectors and the sinners. These were people who by their lifestyle were far from God. They were lost. And they were far from him. And then there were the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Whose strict observance of religious rules made them feel spiritually superior to the first group. And made them despise Jesus because in their mind, man, he just broke all the rules. He actually sat at the loser's table for lunch. He just don't do that. Author Tim Keller points out that in this parable, Jesus is exposing the two main opposing viewpoints on what's the best way to go through life. Rule keeping. Or self discovery. Rule keeping or self discovery. He says that most people attempt to find meaning and real life through one of those two options. Now let's take the Pharisees and teachers of law, for instance. They were the rules keepers. And they got this whole thing started. These three parables started by questioning Jesus' integrity. He was eating with sinners. They believe God was best honored through the strict observance of the law. They believe that the way to find salvation and happiness in life is through moral obedience. In other words, you follow the rules and God will bless you. You do your part, God will do his part. Now the other view says that the way to find meaning and salvation is through self-discovery. And that was that first group. The tax collectors, the sinners. I mean, You do what you want. You do what feels good to you. You throw off the constraints or the rules of society because the way to find happiness is to just do your own thing. Just do your own thing. And so the two common ways to find happiness, he says, are, I will do what the rules say or I will decide for myself what is right or wrong. Now, here's what's interesting. In this parable the prodigal son, Jesus says that both of these approaches are wrong. Both of these approaches to life are wrong. Why? Because they won't lead to a zoe way of life. Maybe a bios life, just around the physical, but they will not lead to a zoe way of life that's only found in Jesus Christ. So as we think about this parable... The younger son pursues a life of self-discovery. That's who he was. He just pursues a life of self-discovery. He throws off society's rules. He mocks convention. He humiliates his family and is alienated from the father who represents God in this parable. And as he and we discovered, anyone who does this is far from God you're far from god and all who heard jesus would have agreed but when you come to the end of the story the older brother he pursues a life of being a rules keeper he's a rules keeper he was obedient to the father and he followed all the rules he would have been the hero for the pharisees and teachers of law when they heard that parable they would have been going yeah That's the guy right there, the older brother. Now here's what's interesting about this parable. In Jesus' day, and even today, you might think that one son was worse than the other, but Jesus shows us that that's not the case. In fact, both sons are alienated from the father. They're just alienated in different ways. But as he brings it to a conclusion... Jesus leaves the older brother in his alienated state while the younger brother has been restored by grace and is restored back into the family with the Father through the grace and love that the Father showed. And through his repentance and through his acceptance of that love, he found life. He was awakened to life. Now, if you had been in the crowd that day and heard Jesus tell these three stories, bang, 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 to these people who were listening, you would have probably heard the mouths of the Pharisees hitting the ground. Why? Because Jesus' story is the complete reversal of everything they thought and taught. Everything they stood for. Here's the bottom line. It's just an observation from me. Just being religious and obeying all the rules doesn't get you closer to the Father's heart and will not help you to discover the life or to discover and live out a Zoe way of life. Just being religious and obeying the rules doesn't get you closer to the Father's heart. I mean, there are people all in churches all across this country today, maybe across the world, who they come, but they come because they're just following a religion. They just want to be religious. But they don't necessarily have a relationship. So just being religious and obeying the rules doesn't get you closer to God's heart, and it will not help you to discover the life that Jesus talked about in John 10:10. 10, 10. You see what separates the older brother from the father is not necessarily some overt sin that he committed what separates him what alienates him from from the father is something just a lot more subtle it's called pride pride it's pride in his moral record he's checked off every box and he feels he should be rewarded for that his attitude was basically this i obeyed i followed the rules so that means my father owes me he owes me this attitude made him self righteous It made him bitter, it made him resentful, and it all spills out as he rebukes his father and accuses him of acting unjustly. And let me be completely honest with you. That's what happens when we choose to be religious instead of choosing to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That will happen every time. Life is only found through Jesus. You see, just being religious and checking off all the boxes will cause us to view our devotion, our service, our sacrifice as works that earn us God's favor, approval, and reward. And because that's our attitude, there's no repentance because we won't see that we need to repent. We won't confess our unworthiness because in our eyes, we're already worthy. We won't seek grace or mercy because we view ourselves as deserving His blessing, not His mercy. So here's the thing. The hearts of both brothers were far from God. They were far from the Father. One by being bad, the other by being in His mind extremely good. Here's a second observation, just, just for me. Isn't it amazing that you can be far from God by breaking God's rules or by pridefully keeping them. It's interesting, isn't it? You can be far from God not only by breaking God's rules, but also by pridefully keeping them. Now let's reflect. Jesus once summarized his ministry by saying this, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And this story and the two before it of the lost sheep and the lost coin make the same point. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. God's heart beats for those who are far from him. And that's what Jesus wanted the tax collectors and the sinners who identified with the younger son to see. He wanted them to see that. And that's what Jesus wanted the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who would have identified with the other brother to see. You see, when through repentance they come home, the Father is waiting with open arms to shower them with His grace and, and to shower them with His love and, and to welcome them into what? A party. So the celebration can take place. Because that which is dead is alive and that which is lost is found. we need a party. We need to celebrate. Now, unfortunately for our two brothers, the story does not end on the same note because one of them repents and is welcomed into the party. The other, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know what he chose because the parable ends. You see, one had an awakening to life. The other was still caught up in a life of rules-keeping that kept him from accepting The love and the grace that the father was wanting to give. So how about you? Let's just break it down. How about you? Which brother describes your life? The younger, the older. Which describes your life? The fact is, both need to find their way back to God, right? Both needed to find their way back to God. Both needed to awaken to the extravagant love of the Father. Both needed to respond to the gracious invitation to awaken to the life that the Father was wanting to give. Because, as He said, come celebrate. Because what was lost is found, and what is dead is now alive. Where are you at? Where are you at in your life? Have you had that awakening to life where you've experienced this and come back into that relationship with the Father where well, you realize you are still far from Him? Maybe it's because you're like the younger son and you just kind of live life the way you wanted to live. What's good for you is good for you. Maybe you're like the your older brother who... You're just the rules keeper. You're just trying to earn your way into heaven. Earn God's approval. Earn his love. And so you do things. You come to church. You may sing. You may teach. You may play. You may do a lot of things. Not because you love God, but because somehow you want to earn his love. You see, both are far from God. And God says, all you need to do is, it's real simple, you just repent And turn away from that lifestyle and come home. Just repent and come home. And when you do, I've got a party waiting for you. And guess what? We're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate. So here's what I want to do. We're going to go into a time of the Lord's Supper. It's just a chance we have to begin to focus on what Christ has done for us on the cross through his death and then through his resurrection because through that we have life. We have, if you're visiting with us, we have four stations, two over here and two over there. And in just a moment, I'm going to encourage you just to get up and go to one of those one of those locations and to just partake of the Lord's Supper and to just, you can take Take the bread and dip it in the, in the juice and then you can go back and, and partake at your seat and just kind of begin to evaluate and look at your life. But, if you need to do something today, if you need to get some things right, then I want you to come and I'm going to be right over here and I want to pray with you and encourage you If you need to come home to God, this is the day. Don't put it off. Don't say, I've got tomorrow. Don't do the someday thing. Because I guarantee you, someday may never come. You come now. And just get things right in your heart with your God. I'll be over here waiting. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for all you do. God, it's so amazing that we could come into this place and and honor you and worship you this morning. And so for these next few minutes, God, help us to look into our hearts and examine them and ask those tough questions. And God, help us to come home today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.